and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week we're talking about three TV series, Naomi, The Tourist, and The Missing. Yes, we're, we've been watching a lot of TV lately. We have. Which is cool. Which is cool. And this will probably go, like, these are going to get progressively more depressing as we go. So <laughs> let's start with our happier one. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Naomi? Sure, yeah. So everyone knows that I'm a big DC TV superhero person. <laughs> and Naomi started airing in January. The reason it caught my interest is I follow Ava DuVernay on Twitter, and she is an executive producer on this. Oh. So she was tweeting about it. and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. So I watched the first couple episodes. I, I think there are maybe six out right now, and I've watched three of them, but I'm going to keep going. It is about a girl named Naomi, played by Casey Walfall. And she lives in Port Oswego, Oregon, and she hosts a Superman fan site. So she's really in the <laughs> yeah, she's really in the uh, comics. And I'm always confused at the beginning of a new DC series whether it's connected to all the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> because the premise here is that like Superman is not real. Oh. And he's just a comic book character. But later on, like, you start to hear rumblings of, like, aliens are real. And you're like, wait, everyone in Supergirl in National City knows that aliens are real. So did that news just not get to Oregon? Or <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's not connected, but okay. I will keep you updated on that. Okay. <laughs> So she's like 16, she's a high schooler, and she's she's adopted. Her parents are played by Barry Watson as Greg, and Muzam Makar as Jennifer. And, I mean, it's very obvious she's adopted from the beginning because her dad is white and her mom is Indian and she is black. And they openly talk about it, and I think it's just really cool that it's very accepted and everyone's very loving. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's cool. I like that aspect of it. Cool. And she's got a set of friends, as as you do in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Charles Jones plays her best friend Annabelle, and I just think their interactions are really cute. Annabelle always calls Naomi Babe. Which is just so, like, Generation Z, I think. <laughs> and then her friend Jacob is played by Aiden Jemmy. Her ex-boyfriend Nathan, who's still sort of a friend, is played by Daniel Puig. And then Will Myers plays Anthony, who's, like, sort of her new love interest. And then Lourdes works at the comic book store. She's played by Camilla Morena. Moreno, and she is also sort of love interest. So they're, I don't know if they're setting up a triangle or they're just like, you know, setting up options for later. <laughs> Testing it out. <laughs> but also she's 16. So like, she's yeah. got time to make decisions and all that yes. stuff. Yes. So she's a normal kid and kind of nerdy. She rocks a skateboard and glasses. And in the first episode, Annabelle texts her and is like, something's going on with Superman. 
So Superman like has appeared in the square and Naomi rushes out to go cover it for her website and she passes out on the way there. Mm. And then when she wakes up, she kind of feels different. (laughs) And through the course of the episode, like she's been wearing glasses and she realizes she doesn't need them as much. And sometimes she hears like ringing in her head and just some odd things are starting to happen, you know? Yeah. And she, she starts to investigate what happened whether it was like a stunt or it was really Superman. And eventually they come to the conclusion that it was a stunt and someone hired some guy to have a jetpack and go play Superman or something. And it, uh. and like, it doesn't really hold water <laughs> and you're kind of like, there's <laughs> something fishy going on here. <laughs> and eventually it kind of leads her. Basically it just leads her into this, quest where she starts finding kind of weird like alienish stuff and she also starts to learn more about herself and like like i said weird things started happening and she's like what's going on so she kind of i don't know exactly how much i want to give away yet but you know i'm just gonna say it she is an alien okay (laughs) and she she was adopted and She's not sure, like, how much her parents know. And her dad works for... Her dad's in the army. And he gets put in, like, a special unit on aliens to, like, go after aliens as hostiles. Oh, no. Yeah. So there are some things heading toward a collision but i also think i mean i think he does not want to be there he's like a he seems like a really good dude and the end of episode three her parents kind of brought her out to the woods and were like this is where we found you and it was like this (laughs) sort of metal or cement disc and as soon as she touched it it like lit up with alien language oh (laughs) so like they know that she's not human and yeah I don't think they're going to turn, you know, I think they are good people. And he's just put on this task force sort of against his will. Okay. I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. But basically, it's very much an origin story. And she is learning where she came from. And there are a few other people so far. Uh, Zumbato, who's played by Cranston Johnson. And Dee, who's played by Alexander Wraith. And they are also extraterrestrials of some sort. And Dee is on her side. He sort of becomes a mentor to her. Zumbato is more of an adversary. And we don't really know what he's up to yet. But he is interested in her for some reason. Okay. So, yeah. it's. I mean, it's just about her, like... Figuring out her powers and figuring out who she is, and eventually she will become more of a superhero. Right now, she's, you know, she's not flying around saving people yet. <laughs> but it's only episode three, so. Yeah. Where is this showing? Where can we watch this? Oh, it's on the CW. Okay. Cool. I have talked about Stargirl before, mm-hmm. and I would put them in the same category. And I feel like 
you know, there's very much been a push toward dark superheroes in the past 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I really like that both of these are more lighthearted. The stakes are there, but, you know, these are kids and they're not broody with the weight of the world on their shoulders. They're like trying to get through life and trying to get through high school. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, they're very upbeat and I really appreciate that, I think. That sounds cute. I might check yeah. that out. Yeah. Yeah, I think you Fun. might like it. Cool. You have been watching something very different i i'm not even sure what this is about so yeah please please tell me i so i stumbled on this last week or two weeks ago i was on twitter and the comedian lorraine newman from saturday night live from the 1970s (laughs) was on twitter saying i need to watch something that is going to help completely distract me from the horrible things in the world right now okay Okay. and Michael McKeon from Laverne and Shirley and Better Call Saul responded to her and said, the tourist. And I follow him. So that conversation (laughs) came up on my Twitter feed. And I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this. And sometimes I enjoy getting a completely random recommendation from out of left field. This was very left field. Okay. And going in with absolutely no information. So I didn't Mm -hmm. know what this was. I just knew it was on HBO Max. And I had zero, zero idea of anything. So it coming in completely fresh. And that was just such a random recommendation and how (laughs) I came upon it that I'm like, well, this must be good. Yeah. So, and it is, and it's very strange. So this is, it's a drama, like a crime thriller, but it's got weird moments of humor and a very strange tone that veers toward a little bit of lightheartedness and a little bit of almost satire. It's, it's very all over the place in terms of the tone. Okay. But it's filmed in Australia and kind of a lot in the outback. And so if you like a kind of dusty, interesting environment with a lot of sunshine that looks almost oppressive, it's it's nice for those days like today here in Ohio where it's very like half snowy and gross. And so it's like, well, I'll spend some time in sunny Australia. Yeah. Even if <laughs> even if everyone is suffering and upset. <laughs> so Jamie Dornan plays the title character who is only referred to in the credits as the man. Okay. We meet him in the first episode at a small gas station in the Outback, and he has an Irish accent. He's Irish in real life, and he uses his real accent. So we already know that it's Australia. We know he's not from here. He gets gas and gets some things at this gas station. He's acting kind of strange. He asks to go to the restroom, and the guy gives him a key, and he kind of looks around and acts cagey. He gets in his car and he starts driving and then this big rig chases him and he seems totally confused by this and doesn't know what's happening. He evades this big semi truck, but it runs him off the road and he's in this very bad car accident. Oh, jeez. When he wakes up in the hospital, he has amnesia. Okay. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know where he was going. He doesn't know why he's here. He has no ID. There's nothing on his clothing or with him that has any information about himself. He has no phone, no wallet, nothing. Oh, jeez. So he's totally without help or information. And there is a probationary constable uh, named Helen Chambers, played by Danielle McDonald, who shows up at his hospital to just kind of 
figure out what happened with the accident. And then when she figures out that he has amnesia, she's like, oh, well, I want to try to help you. But she's just like, she's a trainee, basically, and she can't really do too much. So I think she gives him a small amount of money, like a hundred bucks or something, and gets him help with figuring out where he's going to go. He does, when he gets his clothes back from the nurses, he has a little note in his pocket that says the date, which is tomorrow's date, a time and a diner in a nearby village. Oh. And Helen kind of helps him figure out, oh, well, that's here and there. And so you could take like a, you know, a couple hour bus ride to get there. So he decides to go and they kind of part ways. And so he goes and he gets there and there's like a an owner of the diner and a waitress who are kind to him and they get him some food and stuff. And then he goes to the bathroom and then the entire booth near where he was sitting blows up. <gasps> And the diner is partially destroyed. Nobody gets hurt or killed. Okay. But he starts worrying, like, oh, man, like, I'm not just some rando. Like, somebody's after me. Someone knew I was coming here, and they targeted me. Because yeah. whoever he was meeting never showed up. Yeah. So he's very concerned. And so the waitress in the diner is this girl named Lucy Miller, played by Shalom Brune Franklin. And she's like, well, let me help you. And so they kind of start to investigate and try to figure out who he is, where he's from, what's going on. And it kind of goes from there. And we sort of follow the man and Helen separately. And the man kind of stays with Lucy for the first couple episodes of trying to solve some of this. And Helen is also trying to solve some of this separately. And we also see some bits about Helen's life. Um, She's got a very toxic fiance who's always trying to get her to lose weight Mm. and he's very controlling and doesn't like her to work very much and that just seems like a bad bad time and i don't like him at all yeah (laughs) and then the man and helen kind of dovetail back to continue investigating together and it there's just a lot of like random weird characters that we meet there is this very weird american named billy nixon and the actor's Icelandic in real life, so I'm going to murder his name here, but it's Olafur Dari Olafsson. Okay. And he's huge. He's like, I don't know, seven feet tall and just enormous and wears like like American-ish clothes, but they're very like stereotypical, weird, like cowboy hats and <laughs> and uh, cowboy boots. And he wears like a plaid shirt and jeans. And he just looks like he looks like he's pretending to be an American and his accent <laughs> is slightly off. And everyone he meets who he has to ask for something from, no matter what their job is, he'll say, my mother was a whatever the job the person is doing. (laughs) And you people do good work or something. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Like the first time he does it, he's like, "Uh, my mother was a parking attendant. You people do good work. And so you think, oh, okay, whatever. But then he meets like a nurse. He's like, my mother was a nurse. You people do good. It's like, ew, ew. And it's just gross. And there's like this very strange... Detective Inspector Lachlan Rogers, played by Damon Harriman, who every day at 10 a.m., no matter what he's doing, he calls his wife. Okay. Like, he'll be in the middle of interrogating someone, and he'll, like, excuse himself and go call. And he's talking to her about what they want for dinner or something mundane. (laughs) He, like, is doing a staff meeting one day where he's briefing all the cops about 
this case with this amnesiac man and he's like excuse me and he does that and all the people are still sitting in the room and they're like what's wrong with him so it's just weird tonal strangeness there's also the man ends up staying at a boarding house and one of the other residents is deaf unless he wears his hearing aid and there's a lot of things where he ends up not hearing a a gunfight and (sighs) they do it from his point of view where he's like just watching tv and there's a gunfight going along behind him and stuff (laughs) So, yeah, the tone is weird. Jamie Dornan is really good. He plays very believable, befuddled, and upset in a kind of quiet way. Mm -hmm. And Helen, though, is the best part of the show. She's very cute and plucky and funny and um, seems to genuinely want to solve this and make this kind of her way into a more permanent job with the police, like a promotion or something. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And I I enjoy it, but it's it's so quirky that okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you would like it. Yeah, it's it's fun and I want to know what's going on. Yeah. It does get progressively clearer to be a case of some kind of organized crime thing, but there's a lot of little twists and weird abrupt like shocking things that happen that you're like, "Oh, this is not your typical crime." thing like something else is going on here that's kind of weird so yeah Yeah. it's fun (laughs) cool i if i mean from what you've said i'm interested okay because i i like those actors and i think i think that's a really cool setup you Mm -hmm. know someone not knowing who they are so yeah i mean i'm gonna give it a shot okay cool yeah check it out see what you think i'll be curious to know all right but we've both been watching a different thriller that is much darker. <laughs> yes, it's very dark. Yeah. It's called The Missing, and it's from 2014. It's on Amazon Prime right now, but I think it was originally on Stars and BBC. Mm-hmm. It stars, oh, I can't say that name. <laughs> Ch- <laughs> Do you know how to say the Julians? Um, Cheki Cario? That's okay. how I would say it. His name is Turkish. He's French, but yeah, that's a okay. hard name. <laughs> Cheki Cario. Yes. He plays Julian Baptiste, who is a French detective. And from what I can tell, he's sort of the connecting tissue in both series. So there's it's two seasons, but there are two different mysteries. Mm-hmm. And then James Nesbitt and Francis O'Connor play Tony and Emily, and they are English and Irish tourists in France with their five-year-old son, Oliver, and Oliver goes missing. Mm -hmm. So everything unfolds from there. It is actually, it gets hard to watch at some points because it's, it's a heavy, heavy topic. Yeah. Yeah, because Tony gets more and more obsessed with the case. We also, I like that we see Oliver gets kidnapped or goes missing. We don't know if it's kidnapping or not or what happens to him. Mm -hmm. He goes missing in 2006 and they also have scenes that are 2006 and then 2014. Yeah. So we're seeing this family and there's obvious gaps in what happened between those two years where it's clear that the that the husband and wife have gotten divorced and everything's been really bad and that Julian Baptiste had retired in between there. Um, so he's helping Tony in the quote unquote present day, 
but it's really kind of it's almost a favor to him because he's not really actively on the force anymore. And Tony gets more and more obsessed in both years with any little lead he can find to try to find Oliver. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's because when Oliver goes missing, he's with his dad only. Yeah. And I think Tony feels a tremendous amount of guilt. But it kind of bothered me that Emily in the present day is not as interested in opening this back up again. Okay. And that felt... That made me not like her character as much. Okay. I don't know. Like, what did you think? I mean, she's she's very much like, I don't want to be re-traumatized. And I get that. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> How far did you get into it? I'm pretty far. I did not finish it as you did, but I'm almost done. I think I have gotten through. Just because there, I think there are some things in the last couple episodes that prove how devoted she is to helping and wanting that information if she thinks it's viable but yeah there is very much she has a wall up yeah because she doesn't want to be re-traumatized and she's sort of moved on yeah but i think yeah there are definitely hints and little things that happen that show that she's not okay oh yeah no i know she's not okay Okay, and I know that she yeah. obviously loves her son, but yeah, I haven't watched the last two. I got through episode okay. six of eight. So, so yeah, and there's some really good character work here. Both of the main actors, the parents, are so good. Like, yes. they're just really inhabiting these roles. James Nesbitt is great. We just talked about him recently with the Harlan Coben series that we watched him in. And mm-hmm. he's just a weird guy that always does a great job with being the intense character, whether he's a good guy or bad guy or kind of a kind of in between in between as he (laughs) sort of is here but i think generally he's a good guy here it's just that something so terrible happened to him Mm -hmm. and that's the source of all of his bad decision making (laughs) yes there's a lot of bad decision making and a lot of surprising things that happen yes and you yeah you definitely find out some dark things about everyone (laughs) yes yes um, some other actors in it that I really like. There's a there's a little police detective, Laurence Rillard, yes. played by Emily Decane, and she's very cute. She's one of the only cops that speaks English, and so they latch onto her, even though she's like a little trainee cop. And mm-hmm. in the present day, she's clearly been promoted at some point, but she's she's very cute, and I like yeah. how eager she is but also everyone's annoyed that the parents want her around because she's so low level but it's like they she's like the first person who helped them and could speak english it's clear their french is not super super great like the mom speaks a little bit the dad really doesn't speak almost any i really liked laurence yeah she's cute and uh i really like julian i think he's very cool Mm mm-hmm he also has like some tragic things with his wife and daughter that he's dealing with and then we also have an uh, an English detective, Mark Walsh, played by Jason Fleming, who is one of those, oh, hey, it's that guy, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's very interesting, and I don't quite yet know where I'm at, where uh, mm-hmm. what I think of him. There's also this guy, let's see, what is his name? Oh, Malik Suri, uh, okay. played by Arshar Ali, who's a, he's a journalist, and he's clearly trying to write a book about this case. So he seems very opportunistic and kind of chasing leads, but the parents are very resentful and annoyed by him. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but just everybody's really, really good. I love the bilingual nature of it. We talked last week about language learning, and I kind of caught on to to watching this not knowing it was semi-bilingual mm-hmm. right at the time that I was relearning French. And so that's been kind of fun, the scenes where they do speak almost totally in French, and whether it's uh, subtitled or not, that's kind of fun for me to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do really like that aspect because, like you said, the parents don't speak a lot. So when things first happen, they're very lost and confused. And I was as a viewer too, because I don't speak French at mm-hmm. all. Um, so I, I like that aspect. It's very immersive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just kind of, I don't want to call it fun, but just the aspect of the bilingual nature of it, I think is really cool. Yeah. It sort of reminded me of, there's a a show called The Tunnel, I think, mm. where I think you would be interested in it. It was on PBS as a mystery and a body was found in the tunnel between, in the I think in the channel, between oh. England and France. So, oh, okay. but it's right on the line. So oh. there's a French detective who works with an English detective because each of them has half the body or something like that. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. But I just think stuff like that is cool because, yeah, I'm interested in like, not foreign relations, but like, you know, how people connect with each other when there is a barrier like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, I think the title, The Missing, is as much about the individual people who are not missing as it is about this missing boy, mm-hmm. that they're missing something, whether that be the ability to be in their home country, the ability to have all their family and friends with them, uh, something about their soul that has sort of been damaged through trauma. So yeah, it's... It's really dark, though, you guys. <laughs> Just be. It is, yeah. <laughs> Just be aware. But it's only like each season is a self-contained mystery, and I I do want to watch season two and finish up this first season. But it's one of those I can't binge it. I have to like watch even just like half an episode at a time. So <laughs> that's so funny because I actually binged it. Oh I my like, gosh! I need to find out what happens. <laughs> Well, and as it goes on, I'm less invested in what actually happened to this kid than I am in what happened in the years between 2006 and 2014 with Mm -hmm. the adults. Yeah. So it's almost like the missing part is also the missing years in between there. I want to know what happened there. So yeah, I'm excited to finish it for sure. And it's really good. It's very, it's beautifully shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm glad we both liked it. Yeah. Well, we're going to shift gears way far next week. We're going to talk about three sitcoms. We Are Lady Parts, Somebody Somewhere, and How I Met Your Father. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can also find the show's website at PositivelyPopCulture.com, and from there you can find the link to the merch store. And please, if you are enjoying the show, consider rating and reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.